can't tell you uh, how glad I am to Welcome to the South Canadian Valley Church of Christ podcast. Please enjoy the following study. Uh, be here this morning. Uh, we've had a, a couple of rough weeks uh, in our household. Not nothing, you know, too serious, but a couple of weeks where it just seemed like everything was going wrong. And and I had been scheduled uh, to preach actually the past two Sundays at different congregations. In both of those instances, I wasn't able to preach. Two Sundays ago, uh, the morning of, I was supposed to preach down in Houston, and that morning I threw out my back. And I can't tell you how old that made me feel, uh, to have to call and say, I can't move, so I, I won't be there this morning. And then last, uh, last Sunday I was supposed to preach in uh, Stratford, and, but all that night, the night before, uh, Nora had come down with a stomach bug, and so I was up with her and um, covered with you know things that I don't want to take to church, so... I had to uh, call and tell them I wasn't able to make it. So Hannah and I were joking leading up to this Sunday, you know, saying, I wonder what it's going to be this Sunday, what's going to happen. But thankfully, uh, we were able to be here this morning. So uh, I'm glad to, to be here and to, and to have this opportunity to preach. Last week, uh, Chris talked about uh, the authority of God and about how this authority is all-encompassing and how God is exercising his authority through his word. And uh, closely tied to the idea of authority is that of the power of God. And he talked about that some as well. And I want to talk about the power of God this morning. In particular, I want to talk about how the power of God is good news. So when describing God's power, the, the term that has classically been used is the word omnipotent. You may have heard people say that God is omnipotent. It comes from a Latin word. The, the beginning omni means uh, all in potens in Latin means power. So when we say that God is omnipotent, we're saying that God has all power. We, uh, you, you've probably heard, or read that or heard that uh, term being used in the King James Version of Revelation 19.6. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of, many, of mighty thunderings, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. And you've probably also heard that as part of Handel's Messiah, the Hallelujah Chorus. You know, it starts out with Hallelujah, Hallelujah, and sings Hallelujah over and over again. And then the next line is, For the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. The Lord God is all-powerful. And we read in Psalm 62 and 11 something similar. It says, Once God has spoken, twice have I heard this, that power belongs to God. Repeatedly, we read in the Bible that God has power. In fact, this psalm declares that power belongs to God. What does that mean? I mean, what is, what is power anyway? Well, in general terms, power is just the ability to do something. Power is the ability to do something. So if you are able to lift a one-pound dumbbell, you have some power. And if you're able to lift a 50-pound dumbbell, you have a lot more power. If you're the mayor of a large city, you have a considerable amount of power because you have the ability to influence, influence lives and, and change things about your community, influence the lives of many people. And if you're the president of the United States, you have even more power because you have the ability to do so much more. You have the ability to affect the lives of many millions of people. 
If you're the president of the United States as, as a leader of, of the nation, the head of our state, the, the commander-in-chief of our armed forces, there's a lot that the president has within his power. That's why oftentimes people say that the president of the United States is the most powerful person in the world. Because there are many things that the president is able to do. Because he has power. And so power is the ability to accomplish something. Powerful people are able to accomplish many or great things. And when the Bible speaks about God being powerful, it means that God is able to accomplish many great things. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We read in Genesis 1 and 3 about him creating light itself. Genesis 1 and 3 says, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. He had the ability and has the ability to accomplish the creation of things out of nothing. And not only can he create, but he has the ability to manipulate his creation however he desires. Isaiah 51 and 15, I am the Lord your God who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. He has the ability to take the ocean and to turn it into a tumult with waves flying back and forth and crashing. He has the ability to do all of these things and more because he is powerful. If God wanted to train my dog to call or to, to come whenever I called, he could do it. As hard as that has been for me, God could do it. If God wanted to create a national championship OU football team, he could do it. As hard as that might seem, for many of us, he could do it. If God wanted to create a new element for the periodic table, he could do it. If God wanted to stop the earth in its orbit around the sun, he could do it. If God wanted to prove the Riemann hypothesis, which is this million-dollar math question, he could do it. God can do all of these things and more. There are many things I can't do. I can't speak French, I can't lift a car, I can't grow a beard, I can't win a gold medal in any Olympic sport, not even curling, and many times I can't even get Ivy to take a nap. And, and, and some of these seem trivial, but it gets more serious than that. I mean, when my kids get sick, sadly, there are often times there's nothing that I can do. I can't just make it go away. There are many times that there is something in my life or in the lives of the people that I love that I wish I had power over, but I don't. There is nothing that I can do. Times when I'm in the hospital with a loved one, and I just wish that I could make it go away, but I can't. I may wish to have the power to do these things, but I'm powerless. But all of these things are not limitations for God. Because God is powerful. In fact, in the Old Testament, God is often called God Almighty. In Genesis 17, verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. God isn't just mighty. He is almighty. God has all might. He has the power to do anything. 
That's why we say he's omnipotent. He is all-powerful. The God we worship is the Lord God Almighty. When Gabriel visited Mary to tell her that she was going to have a son named Jesus, Mary was amazed about how this could happen because she was a virgin. And Gabriel explained to her that the Holy Spirit would put this baby in her womb, and that also her cousin Elizabeth, who's much older, beyond childbearing years, would also bear a son. For, Gabriel said, nothing will be impossible with God. The God who is making this all possible is almighty. He is almighty God. But let's pause there for a second. Is this a good thing? Is it a good thing that God has all power? Is it good for one single being to be so powerful? I mean, when, when humans get too much power, we tend to get nervous, right? When people around us get too much power, we don't really like that. We don't like tyrants. That was basically our motto whenever we started this country, right? We don't like tyrants. So when people around us get powerful, our instincts tell us that power is bad. You've probably heard the expression that power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. You may have heard that before. And we've seen that kind of thing happen over and over again in our society. And in human society throughout time, this has proven itself true. People in positions of power often use it to their own advantage and to the disadvantage of those without power. People are oppressed by those who have the stronger weapons and the bigger bank accounts. And we can think of countless examples of this. Celebrities can get their kids into college because they're rich and famous. Politicians have used the power associated with their office for, for their own financial gain. And some have used their power to oppress entire groups of people. Hitler, of course, used his power, a lot of power, to commit genocide against millions of Jews. So power by itself isn't necessarily a good thing. The surgeon holds the power of life and death in his hand. So what about God? If God has absolute power, can we trust him? The answer, of course, is yes. We can trust God. Because God isn't just all-powerful, but he is also all-good. And because God is all-good, he limits his power. So that the only limitation on God's power, the only limitation on what he can do, is his own nature. And his own nature is love. Abraham seemed to have an idea of this whenever God sent his angels to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And he told Abraham that he was going to do this. And, and Abraham, uh, named, uh, Abraham and, and uh, he was Abraham at this time, uh, he responded to God and he said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be that from you. Shall the judge of all the earth do what is just? 
Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? Abraham knew that it was in God's power to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. But Abraham also knew that God was good, and therefore he would not destroy the righteous with the wicked. The only limit on God's power is his goodness. Therefore, God is not like politicians who use their power for corrupt purposes. God is above that. Absolute power may corrupt human beings, but not God. God is prevented by his own goodness from ever using his power for evil purposes. As John says in 1 John 1 and 4, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. So when we say that God is almighty, that he is omnipotent, we must understand it as meaning that God can do anything that is consistent with his ever good and ever loving character. But this leads us to another potential objection. Because if God is all good and he's all powerful, which we say that he is, if he's all good and he's all powerful, what about the evil in the world? I mean, this is a legitimate objection. If God is all good and all powerful, why is there evil in the world? Because on the one hand, if God were all powerful but not all good, it would be understandable. You know, we'd see evil in the world and we might cry out to God and say, you know, God, what are you going to do about this? And, and he'd say, well, I don't really care. Yeah, that is, if God were all powerful but not all good. But on the other hand, if God were all good but not all powerful, we might like him, but we couldn't trust him to do anything about the evil in the world. We could call out to him about the evil in the world, and he would say, I know, I'm sorry, but there's nothing I can do about it. But we as Christians believe that God is all good and all powerful, which means that he must care about the evil in the world, and he must be doing something to stop it. He must be doing something with his power to stop the evil and suffering and sin in the world. And as we open the pages of the New Testament, we read that is exactly what he's doing. Paul writes in Romans 1, in verse 16, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. How is God using his power to save the world from every evil? The gospel. The gospel is the power of God for salvation. It is his saving power, his saving omnipotence. The gospel is the story of how Jesus is powerfully accomplishing the salvation of this world. And in Paul, talks, Paul describes his gospel in 1 Corinthians 15. He tells us the gospel that he was taught and which he continued to pass down. In 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 5, he says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. This gospel by which you're being saved. He said, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believe in vain. And here he says, this is it. He said, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, 
that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. The gospel is the saving story of Jesus Christ, and its climax is the death and resurrection of Jesus. This is the story that Paul, in Romans 1.16, says he's not ashamed of. The story of the death and resurrection of Jesus, which is the power of God to save the world. And to some, it seems foolish, but to us, it is everything. As Paul wrote earlier in this letter, he said, For the word of the cross, the gospel, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved. He says it again here. He says, It is the power of God. The gospel, the cross, the death, burial, and resurrection of God, of Jesus, is God's saving message of power. This word of the cross, this gospel, is the power of God. When Jesus died and rose again, something happened in the world that wasn't visible to the naked eye, but it was a defeat for sin and for evil and for death. Somehow, through his death and resurrection, Jesus gained the power to save the world. And talk about omnipotence. Talk about all-powerful. That through the death and resurrection, Jesus now has power to save the world. And this, this isn't theoretical anymore. I mean, we could talk theoretically about what God can and can't do. Can God create a rock so big that he couldn't lift it? This is not in that territory anymore. This is completely in the area of practicality. Jesus has power to save the world because of his death and resurrection. That is power. And before Jesus ascended, he promised to share this power with his people through the Holy Spirit. This power that is the power of God for salvation, he says in Acts 1 and 8, Jesus says here, talking to his disciples, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So now Jesus is working in us through the Holy Spirit to bring his powerful salvation to the world. Paul writes again and again in his letters, about the power of God that is now in us. He writes in 2 Timothy 1 and 7, For God gave us a spirit, not of fear. God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. He says in Ephesians 3 and 20, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. In Romans 15 and 13, he says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. God is powerfully at work in his people to accomplish the salvation of the world. God is working in us and through us to do great things. And for 2,000 years, the power of God the Father in Christ Jesus has been working through the Holy Spirit to save this world. And we have evidence 
all around us if we have eyes to see it. Take, for example, the virtue of humility to see how the power of God has been at work. Back in the ancient world, humility was not a virtue. Pride was a virtue. People were expected to be proud, to lift themselves up, to make themselves look as good as possible. That was expected. Nobody looked down on that. In fact, whenever Christians started preaching humility, Christians went around the ancient world talking about the one Jesus who, who descended from heaven, who descended and was humiliated to the point of dying on a cross. And so we too should humiliate ourselves, that we should be humble. When they started preaching that, it seemed ridiculous to the people around them. But they spread that message. And as Christianity spread throughout the world, the concept of humility as a good thing started to become more popular. And now in the society we live in today, humility is seen as a good thing by and large. Not everybody, of course, is going to agree with that. But by and large, humility is seen as a good thing. People don't like it whenever, people, whenever others are arrogant and really proud. Even non-Christians who see people who keep on talking and lifting themselves up will talk about how much they don't like that. That's because of the power of God that has been working in the world. That that has brought about change, actual change to the world. That God's power has been working. Or consider care for the sick. Clearly nobody in the ancient world cared about those who were sick, those who were lame, those who had serious illnesses. People didn't care for them. They saw them as less than everybody else. But then Jesus goes around Galilee and throughout Judea showing how much he cares about those people, spending day after day exerting all of his energy caring for them, caring for the people who had no way to care for themselves. And as the church spread, Christians took that message with them. And they always placed importance on caring for the sick and the vulnerable. I mean, look today at hospitals. How many hospitals are, have Christian names? And we have the healthcare systems that we do today because Christians took this with them. The importance of caring for the vulnerable. The gospel has been at work in the world. God has been at work to powerfully save this world. Or consider the story of Telemachus, a Christian monk, who in the, the late, eight, or the late uh, 300s, there was this Christian monk from the east who traveled to Rome. And he went to the Colosseum and he saw a, a group of gladiators fighting to the death, which was common entertainment for the people at that time. And this is the first time he had seen that. And he saw these, these men fighting to the death and everybody cheering them on. And he was horrified. Being a Christian, he valued every single human life. And so he went down to the floor of the arena and he tried to break up the fight. And all the spectators thought he was ridiculous. And so they stoned him to death on the spot. And whenever the emperor heard about this story, he banned gladiator fights forever. The power of God has been at work in this world. Something happened when Jesus died and rose again. A power has been unleashed that is changing the world. Is God, does God care about the evil in the world? Yes. And he is working to fix it. He is working to change the world. And we could go on and on 
the ways that God has been working and working through his church to change the world for the better. Not to mention the countless lives that have been turned around. People who have been saved from sin. People who have been deeply wicked and then met Jesus in his followers and then changed their lives for the better. Who, who knows how many people can share that story and can speak personally to the power of God in the gospel. You know, we, we may sometimes be discouraged by our circumstances or by what we see in the world. You know, we live in a world where we see terrible things. We see earthquakes that kill 10, 000, tens of thousands of people, where viruses kill millions of people, where pointless wars rage on and on. And we may wonder, does God care about these things? Or in our own lives, we can't make sense of the things going on in our lives. We, we can't make sense of why, why I can't be a better person, why I struggle so much with these problems, or why my family is broken apart and why they don't speak to each other, or, or why, and the list goes on and on. Does God care about these problems? The answer is yes, and he is doing something about this. Through Jesus, he is working his omnipotent power to change these things. So our job is to trust and work alongside him. Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, of course, we experience difficulty. This verse isn't saying that as a Christian, everything is going to go good in your life. But you can trust that you are not on your own against all of the wicked and evil in this world. That God is working powerfully with you and for you to create goodness. He's been doing it for 2,000 years, and he will continue to do it. Is God powerful enough and good enough to do something about all the evil in the world? The gospel strongly proclaims, yes, that our God is almighty and his power is at work for the salvation of the world. Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. If anybody has a need this morning, bless you come forward as we stand and sing. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. For further information about our church, please go to normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com.